Your sensors are correct. Do not adjust your heading. Your heading. You've discovered the Omega Particle. Streaming to the Alpha Quadrant and beyond. 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 Here's your host. The anchorman of the Federation. The doctor of Dilithium. This is Jonathan Wiegand. Welcome to the Omega Particle Podcast. Like the man said, I am your gracious and humble host, Jonathan Wiegand. Your doctor of Dilithium is back, sitting behind the golden OPP microphone. We took about a, two weeks off. We had Thanksgiving here in the United States, so that was fun. Got to see family, overeat. I think I ate a dozen deviled eggs. That is my kryptonite. That is my weakness, my Kobayashi Maru. There are no winners when it comes to deviled eggs and yours truly. All, but the real reason why uh, we kind of took a, about a two-week hiatus is I'm actually just getting over a really bad sinus infection and in throat issues so it's good to be back but if my voice sounds a little bit different that's why and I haven't got over it completely but I feel good enough to kind of get back with you wonderful people in the alpha quadrant I I hope everything's going well again we're in the we're in the holiday season I have to actually travel for work in December so I'm not looking forward to that but it should be good I, I appreciate the opportunity to to travel a little bit so that should be fun and I, this is actually, Luna, I didn't know if I told you, we actually for the f- got a huge thing on Black Friday, and I think we may have been the only ones in America that went shopping on Black Friday, but we've been saving up and, and, and waiting for it, but I finally got a new TV, and that's a big deal for me, because I have not gotten a TV since 2012, so it's uh, crazy what they have now, so I'm very happy, and one of the very first things I watched is the episode we're talking about today. Uh, episode three, A Man Alone, or as I like to call it, Attack of the Clones. <laughs> it is a kind of, it's an, I'll just be blunt, it's an okay episode. Um, we'll get into it more in the review. It's good, it has strong points, but it also has its weak points as well. In, in my mind, it does lay some foundation for Odo, but it kind of came off the rhythm a little bit that we got from the first massive two-part episode with Emissary, Terrorist, Be Friendly, uh, second episode with Kira. So without further ado, let's crack into it. Luna, let's roll that beautiful bean footage. And speaking of Odo, I just feel like every Star Trek needs an outsider. Uh, I mean, the original series had Spock. He was half human, half Vulcan. And he was just content to have this stoicism, but be around these emotionally driven crewmates. TNG had Data, who was an android whose main goal in life was to become more, quote unquote, human. But he spent a lot of time in the show wandering around, commenting on everybody's behavior, and he wasn't really the easiest to fit in. And... Now we have Odo in DS9. He's this like shape-shifting constable and is he very self-explained in the pot in the pilot, has no idea where he came from, no idea what his species is, and doesn't know if anybody else is like him in the whole universe. And I think that's great. Um Odo's played by the late great Renee 
I can never pronounce this. I took Spanish in high school, not French. Rene Aberjones. Uh, he was a very talented actor. You know, he played in MASH and McCab and Mrs. Miller. But I think the bad side of the double-edged sword here is that there's something more kind of contrived about Odo's backstory and how kind of, what's the lack of, mercury it is. It's not a very good cloudy backstory. Going back to this analogy, Spock was a Starfleet officer. And while his his mixed race background made him something of anomaly, he wasn't really a singular event in the universe. There were other uh, mixed species, even in Starfleet and all across the universe. And, and Data was a little bit more special. You know, he, ate, he was a robot, but there was still an occasional robot on TNG. I mean, it is a science fiction show. But Odo is completely unusual. He's, he might be the only one there is. Spoiler alert, he's not. <laughs> yeah, but he might be the only one there is at this point in the show. And the fact that he could change it anything he wants is, is wild to me. And I know we eventually get an explanation, like I said, later on and, and about his people and everything. And it's a beautiful story. And it, it's the writers did a fantastic job with that. But for right now, it's a little like walking through mud. And it's a little like campy, just to be just to be blunt, like he's, he's Odo is like basically magic. <laughs> he can just turn into anything. He can turn into a, a falcon or a ship or a pot. You know, it's just kind of over the top with the show because of it's very grounded. DS9 is very gritty. It is very salt of the earth. And then you have this magical being. So it just doesn't, the vibe doesn't fit well in this episode. And it kind of comes across that more than any of their time so far in the episodes we reviewed. And getting into the heart of our review here, so Man Alone takes the suspect, this this guy, quite literally. It's a silly murder mystery that puts Odo in the hot seat for no other reason than to remind everyone that fears, you know, the unknown, that people don't like what's different. People don't like what's changed. And, and that's a very good concept to kind of, push in Star Trek to be like, no, we have to overcome that just because something's different. doesn't mean it's bad. It's just different. And like Prologue, man puts in a some effort to establish DS9 as a dangerous place full of different races and less, you know, than outstanding Boy Scouts here. But unlike the former episode of Prologue, the latter in man spends most of its focus on a number of different subplots of just varying importance. I feel like I'm just going everywhere. You know, the murder mystery is the primary focus because a corpse tends to draw the most focus, especially in the way the dude died face down in a massage parlor. And let's be real, that's a sex program, all right? That is, it's a massage sex program. And it's not, so this isn't your your kid's DS, uh, TNG here. So we have this, this corpse in this massage parlor and then all of a sudden it turns into angry mobs and Odo being persecuted. And in the midst of that, we have Keiko or... Mrs. Chief O'Brien and her efforts and uphill battle to start a school on a space station while dealing with prejudices and and sexism from like Rom and and other characters, which we'll get into. And then that dovetails into (laughs) Jake Sisko kind of budding friendship with his Ferengi Nog and then pranking people on the promenade. And then we're not we're not done yet. There's more, as uh, as they say on infomercials. There's always more. We have a brief love triangle that pops up 
of Bashir, Dax, and Cisco. So we have all of this in 45 minutes, and it's just, it's a lot. Not only for the reasons I mentioned before about, you know, Odo kind of being a little campy and, and being magic and a grounded show like DS9. Now we just have so much thrown at the wall. You really have to pay attention to kind of know what's going on. And it's a lot. And even, I will say this, A Man Alone, it does do a decent job of weaving these storylines together in a way that, that kind of helps establish our sense of the space station as a, as a location. It definitely makes it feel like a home now and i'm and i'm getting that feel and that's probably the one positive takeaway is that it's starting to feel like a comfortable place that we're comfortable with ds9 with the geography of it and i will say it it's a little bit more than i would feel comfortable with the enterprise d i feel like the enterprise d was a location and a backdrop i feel like ds9 and the station itself is a character of the show let me know if I'm way off my rocker, if I have so much cough medicine talking and you're like, dude, you're way off your base. Please let me know on social media or if I'm right, thank you. I would appreciate hearing that too. In terms of the episode's function though, within the season as a whole, I think Man Alone does serve a purpose. This this actual episode of television, it, it does, like I said, fall short. It relies too much on this cliche rather than allowing characters to breathe. The best plot to me, surprisingly, is the Keiko's decision to start a school. Sure, I mean, I mean, the stakes are low. It's not really, if she doesn't get a school, it's not gonna really be the end of the world for anybody or the end of the station, but the only parent we see Keiko meeting is with Nog's dad, and there's kind of a freshness to this storyline that I kind of find charming, you know? Um, Keiko had a swipe at her husband for the first part of the hour and she was very dissatisfied with being on the station, didn't want to be there. And then I was kind of glad they gave her a little bit more depth in this episode and kind of could see, oh, she's like kind of having an outlet for her frustration. Now she can have a passion project she can work on and it's kind of building up the character a little bit more. And that's something we won't see spoiler alert for seasons on because Keiko just disappears for six months and years at a time and we'll get to that years from now when we cover that it I would say the episode doesn't really soften her but they do kind of expand her which which is great I will say this it's something that we really wouldn't see on Enterprise you know the original series or TNG and it's something satisfying of an idea of someone trying to create a size of civilization in the midst of all this chaos you know we have bottom of the wormhole there's Cardassians right ready to take over kind of poking around everyone's coming in and out there's crime all around and there's these sex hollow suites and all of a sudden somebody's trying to make a school it kind of reminds me of the old west in a way where you have like these dusty towns and there's saloons and brothels and it's kind of just all over anywhere in the middle of the wilderness and all of a sudden there's just someone's trying to build a church and have a school and have some like not i wouldn't say yeah civilization markers you know of of bigger cities and so i thought that was great i was really surprised again and we'll get into this as well later on throughout the season and throughout the show it's a running theme is that we see a lot of sexism from the ferengis Dear God, uh, 
uh, Rom is like, I don't want my son listening to a female. You know, females are lower in the Ferengi culture, so there should. And so we see obviously that trend come for years, come through DS Nine. But then it's nice to see do those characters change, how they change, and how they evolve. So that's good. But for somebody that's watched a DS Nine several times, you always kind of get kind of whiplash to be like, oh yeah, this is how they started. They're absolute jerks and dicks about you know females and. Um, people that are different, so not really cool. And speaking of not cool, let's talk about this terrible love triangle that is Dr. Brashear. So this was probably the most cringiest of the entire DS9 saga. You know, the first season or two or three where Bashir is like a lost puppy fawning over Jedzia, just be like, please, please love me, please. And it's just like, dude, just have some self-respect, brother. She doesn't want to be with you. She doesn't want to be with you. Just move on. I would say that to any self-respecting uh, person out there. Like, if, if you are chasing somebody and they do not want to be with you, you are too good for them. Walk away. You, you do not have to be anybody's puppy dog. You are too good for that. I mean, the chemistry between Dax and Bashir right now isn't great and it's kind of this will they won't they tension it's just kind of awkward and it doesn't play well and Bashir comes more across as a desperate and stalkerish than than you know love or lust stricken and I think we're up to on our counter now I think he's hit on Jet Z like eight times now and it's only been about three or four episodes so good gosh brother let her breathe it doesn't seem to me that Dax isn't really pushing away, so it's kind of like this will they, won't they. She's not being too forceful, and and he's not being too forceful, but he's still being creepy and uncomfortable. But um, it's there's no real interest in that they'll hook up. But it, to me, it just kind of gets awkward when he starts bringing in the Dax and Cisco thing because um, they don't have a romantic spark. And Dax's effort, you know, kind of reassured Cisco. He's like, look, I'm in a new body. And it might be awkward, but I'm still kind of the same person. We can still have a great friendship. And Cisco is like, yeah, of course. I would never imagine that. You're just some young girl. I would never try to like... I couldn't imagine having a best friend. And I do have lifelong best friends. Them get into a new body. Into an attractive young woman. And then being like, oh, I want to get with that. That'd just be very weird. You know, wouldn't that be weird? Think of your best friend. Whether it's male or female or whatever. And then they're in a completely attractive body. That would be weird, right? That that would be weird. So um, I totally get Cisco's point of view. I would totally be for that. Like, no, we can be friends. And I just think it's funny that they have to kind of reassure everybody. Like, no, there's no triangle here. We cool. We ain't never going to get it. Ever. I think there's some drama there, especially with Bashir. You know, especially if he was feeling like, Cisco was undercutting him or lying to him or whatever. I think there could be some good tension there, but I don't know. But for right now, it's both of its forcing and neither work. So just leave it at that. And it, I will say, if this is your first time watching DS9, do not fret. Do not worry. This does not last. It eventually goes away and Bashir turns into this. Well, I'm not going to ruin it for you, but just don't worry about it doesn't last forever and Bashir becomes a beloved character that you'll like and is very very good so just hold on buckle up get through the awkward force pervy creepy stuff 
But finally, let's get to this murder plot. You know, it's a little bit of more exciting part of the episode than the aforementioned stories. But still isn't super, in my opinion, isn't super successful. And so just a rehash, Ibudan is this black market dealer during the Cardassian occupation. And he comes to the station to do some, some gaming. I just want to do some light gaming. Like I'm in waste management. And apparently he's from Brooklyn too. And Odo just straight up doesn't like him. Tells him to get lost because it's the 1940s. And Ibudan just apparently winds up dead. And Odo becomes the main prime suspect because Ibudan kind of sets him up that way. And some of the Bajorans on the station start getting all bigoted and crazy and mob heavy and start kind of chasing uh, Odo down and yelling him. And, you know, like a mob does, because that's what mobs do for irrational big groups of people. And uh, they force Cisco to shoot a phaser in the air like it's a shotgun. Remember when I said it's kind of like the Wild West? This is the Wild West. This is Wagon Train of the Stars, but it's really kind of this dusty, like, outskirts you know, mining town. That's what DS9 is, but in space. That's kind of the vibe I got from this episode. And But don't fret. Ibudan's really not dead. He murdered his own clone to frame Odo for the crime to get revenge on the shapeshifter for sending him to jail all those years ago. And I think this is an absurd attempt to make Odo's persecution some kind of grand statement on prejudice. I think it's very thin. I think people got mad at him not because... He was a shapeshifter. People got mad at him because he was the most likely sp- a suspect. The dude did his homework. Ibudan clearly framed him, had like a time set with him. Ibudan told people he's afraid of Odo in the bar. And so it was clearly a good job at Ibudan to, to set Odo up to be like, no, this dude is after me and he wants me dead. For it to turn into this thing against shapeshifters, I was like, nah, I, I just don't get that get that you know to me it was more about you're you're supposed to be this upstanding person you're supposed to be this law enforcement officer somebody that we all can look up to and trust and then you go and kill somebody i think that's why the mob got angry not because he's a shapeshifter in my opinion and there was a lot of depth that this episode could have brought a lot of complexity for the position that the show could into but they didn't I mean, think about the line that he says when when Odo is talking to Cisco in his office and he's and he's dismissing the idea of the law because he's like, the law doesn't matter because laws change. The Cardassians are in power, the Federation in power, laws will change. But he has his own sense of quote unquote justice. And to me, it's a kind of a little unnerving. It's it's kind of more of a more complicated moral viewpoint than a regular character would have, you know, let's like, again, like on TNG, like I'm saying, and I'm using a lot of TNG comparisons because TNG was the big show at the time opposite of DS9. So that's why you just never hear that in, in TNG. It's always, you know, Federation, we have laws, we have protocol, we have standards, we have our, our character, our mor- not really so much morality, but it's more character and duty. And we just, now we have Odo in his in his sense of justice, which is could be perverse, could be wrong, but it's just, yeah, I, I just don't like it. I feel like they could have dug so deep into that, and they really didn't, which is okay, but overall, I would give I would give this episode, again, five is outstanding, amazing, face melting great. I would give this one a solid 3.0. 
it's not awful it's not good and it serves as a pointed reminder of one of the pitfalls of the early seasons and of 90s television you know we have these underdeveloped characters behaving in unconvincing ways and there's so much plot working it's just it's working too hard the plot they have so many plot points working so hard it just kind of gets lost on itself and it's a it's an episode that's just kind of there you know it's it's one of those episodes like i know we have uh i bring people on and we talk and we're like oh this is a great episode it's either really terrible or it's really awesome and there's some great you know sci-fi life lesson involved but this isn't one of those this is just a run-of-the-mill blah it's the subway of ds9 episodes and i'm and we do get quite a bit of those in the first and second season in my opinion well we'll get through them and there's some good ones like i said like there, there was the opportunity for complexity but we just they just didn't land on it and moving on into our great stray observations of the episode i i will say i think it's kind of awkward that odo has this kind of grouchy speech about women it almost seems like i was like dude like that is a very sexist idea to have like oh you want to watch spring ball and she wants to do something with the curtains so you compromise and you do something with the curtains and he wants to eat klingon food and she wants to eat bajoran so you compromise and you eat bajoran and he sounds kind of like this grouchy divorced dad who's like women are terrible i don't like women and they just suck and i'm like first off dude you've never been in a relationship you don't even know about quote-unquote coupling and it just seems super and again odo technically doesn't even have a gender and odo's this magical blob that can transform into things left and right he doesn't technically even have a gender so why is he getting all bent out of shape and don't worry they never talk about this he never talks about this he just kind of has this grouchy attitude about women who knows but um <laughs> sorry i just when i watched that i was just kind of like a little a little like upset i was like bro like what what happened to you like who hurt you man anyway i can go off sorry I will say this episode was straight observation. I had a lot more of the the silliness of, of science fiction. You know, we had this Dax's it op- the episode opens on Dax's holographic brain teaser and it uses your brain waves to have like a bubble and you have to control it. And then moving on from that, you have Nog's magic bugs that bite you and you turn colors and it's really funny. And then you have this whole attack of the clones thing where you can just clone a human body. And we're not even going to get into how ibudan got the body into and carried this clone body around with nobody like i just imagine he's like a, a 200 pound flesh bag you know walking around because it has to be an identical copy so he is, he's lugging around his body what the heck how did he do that like did he get help did he like put the clothes on the body like i don't know but it just that seems like a silly concept for just a dude to have this this clone about himself and really no help on the station to move this body around and another kind of stray observation it kind of reminds me of those i was born in the 80s thank you very much <laughs> but in the 90s we had these toys that if you would dip them in water they would expand in sponges and they were very disappointing but that's kind of what the clone reminded me it was like one of those sponges that you just be like put in put in water and just expands and that's kind of what happened he turned into a giant flesh dinosaur sponge but 
eh, it's okay. <laughs> so there is one last fun fact about this episode. So A Man Alone was um, actually the first episode filmed after Emissary. However, for some reason, they decided to push it past past prologue. <laughs> See what I did there? And they, they pushed it past until it actually became the the third episode or the fourth, however you want to see past. I, I view the Emissary as one episode. is one giant episode, so that's one. But no, we, we learn more information on the trail this episode. There's, you know, we get more backstory on Cisco's relationship with Curzon Dax. And um, it's just, to me, it's, it's, we see more kind of the, you can tell that this was the first episode after Emissary. You see kind of the, the foundation still being built a little bit, but not in the way where it's over the top. You know, past prologue was very coupled to those few characters. This one kind of, like I said, scrambling in a million directions. And that is why. That is our review for A Man Alone. Thank you so much for listening. And Luna, play us out, girl. Thank you so much for listening, guys. And... I, I am enjoying this DS9 review already immensely, uh, not only because I can rewatch DS9, but then I can analyze it a little bit, enjoy it even more. And it's just it's just crazy to me how good this show is and how complex this show is as a whole. You know, the, just the first um, three episodes so far, I'm just very impressed. This is definitely my favorite track. So I'm giddy that we are able to do this. And as a reminder, if you're giddy for entertainment and you like to kind of pass the time, whether at work, wink, wink, or on your phone, driving, you know, at your kid's soccer game, whatever, I have something for you. And that is this delightful blog, www.jasontalksmovies.wordpress.com. That again is www.jasontalksmovies.wordpress.com. Check his site out. It's amazing. It's funny. Love his stuff. We will be coming out with a few more episodes this week now that I'm feeling better. So be on the lookout for that. And again, I think we're about to hit 39, no, 38,000 Instagram followers. So please feel free to reach out to us on Instagram. We love hearing from you guys and talking. It's one of the highlights of doing the podcast, just meeting and talking to people from all over the world. And remember, kings and queens, keep those crowns on straight. We're getting into the holiday season, seasonal depression. Remember, keep your mental health on. You're important. And we want you around, especially here at this podcast. So please remember to take care of yourselves. And if you ever need help, please reach out to loved ones and fans and family or anybody out there. Second start of the right. Straight on till morning. <laughs>